Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. The final from Wrigley Field in Chicago. It's the Chicago Cubs three, the Cleveland Indians two. The Chicago Cubs win it in the bottom of the 10th inning. This game goes to extra innings and the Cubs sweep the little two game series from the Cleveland Indians. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And I tried, I tried as hard as I could to stay awake and finish this game last night, and I'm telling you, my eyes were half closed in that 10th inning, but I did see Phil Maiden get a pair of strikeouts before unfortunately giving up an RBI single to Javier Baez to end the game, and then my eyes shut, I went to sleep, and now I am up talking baseball with you. All right, let's get into this. Let's see how it all went down, because the Indians are now on an eight-game losing streak, and if you would extrapolate this out to 162 games, it would round up to about a 22-game losing streak, which uh, were right around the anniversary of their 22-game winning streak, so how poetic, right? Now, I was trying to find the worst losing streak in Indians history. Uh, According to Cleveland.com, and I'm guessing this article is from Paul Hoynes, uh, it's the worst losing streak since they lost 11 straight in 2012. That was the Manny Act season where we lost 91 games. I couldn't find another losing streak that was worse in Major League, in Indians history. Um... I was able to find the worst losing streak of all time in baseball history goes to the Louisville Colonials from 1889. Second worst belongs to your Cleveland Spiders from 1899. They lost 24 games in a row. Did I say that? The Colonials lost 26 games in a row. Uh, Now, that Spider season was the year they sent all their best players to St. Louis so that season is ridiculous. Their final record was 20 and 134. It's the worst record in baseball history, I'm pretty sure. But it's it's not fair. They played over 100 games on the road. It, they were tanking the team to close the franchise, basically, to move all their best players to St. Louis. The, the owners owned both the Cleveland Spiders and the St. Louis Browns. They owned two teams. So uh, that's it's really unfair, the history that the Cleveland Spiders have to carry that burden with them. Uh, in the modern area, it looks like the worst losing streak of all time would go to the Philadelphia Phillies in 1961. They lost 23 games in a row that season. So there's your worst in the modern era. So I guess the franchise record for the Indians is 11. I can't find anything else besides that Paul Hoynes article. So there you go. We're not at the worst yet, but let's see. Did Pittsburgh lose last night? Yeah, Pittsburgh has also lost eight in a row. So we're tied with them for the worst this season. So that's fun. We are now six games. Uh, we're still six games behind the White Sox. They lost last night. So technically, we're we're still within striking distance of climbing, you know, out of third place. We've now got a... Uh, We still have a four-game lead over Seattle and Baltimore and Detroit in the loss column. So, man, there's everything you need to know. That's what's up with the standings. Let's talk about this game. Let's get into this game because it was an interesting baseball game. It had a little bit of everything. The Indians score their two runs on five hits, only five hits, two errors. The Cubs get their three runs on nine hits. 
All right, things actually get started in the top of the first. Francisco Lindor moving into that leadoff spot, making things happen. He walks. Delano to Shields lays down a sack bunt. I think it's very clear. By the way, they finally made some adjustments to the lineup. Instead of having Yu Chang, who started at second base against a lefty yesterday, instead of having him bat second, which, I mean, Yu Chang, if you remember, was crushing the ball in that summer camp. They have him bat ninth. They moved Delino to Shields up to second, who had a great game yesterday. Today, Delino to Shields would be 0 for 2 with a walk and a sacrifice. So, wasn't magic at the top at the top of the lineup, but he lays down a sacrifice bunt, moves Lindor up to second. You can clearly see the strategy here from Alomar. We are going to try to scratch across a run any way we can. Jose Ramirez singles to right field, but Jason Hayward comes up with the ball, and Lindor learned his lesson last night. He throws the brakes on at third base because Hayward came up firing again. It would have been a close play again. Who knows? But he holds up. Santana lines out softly to short, but then a wild pitch from John Lester saves the Indians because, let's face it, it really felt like we weren't going to score a run here. He throws a wild pitch, and Lindor is able to come home from third. It was a close play at the plate. It didn't get that far away from the catcher, but he scores for Mil Reyes strikes out to end that inning. So we put a run across in the first. It was huge. It felt huge, right, to get a lead on Lester, especially on Lester. All right, Aaron Savale pitching for the Indians. He would get into some trouble in the second inning. He walks Kyle Schwarber. I believe this starts a run. Let's see here. He walks Schwarber in the second. He gives up a single to start the third. He hits Wilson Contreras to start the fourth. He hits Chris Bryant to start the fifth. It's not until the sixth inning that he's able to get the leadoff hitter out. So from the second to the fifth, he give he puts the leadoff batter on base. That's not that is not good. Uh, it felt like a bad start from Savali yesterday, but it actually it actually works out okay. So uh, crazy play here with Schwarber. So he walks, then Javi Baez singles up the middle to center. Schwarber of all people. Tries to go first to third on Delano to Shields, and guess what? He showed us all that Delano to Shields has absolutely no arm. It's a wet noodle out there in center field. So he goes first to third. He's safe, but Baez was trying to be aggressive behind him, and Baez gets thrown out going to second. So they do get an out on the play. It wouldn't matter because Jason Hayward would then single the center and bring in Schwarber to score. They would then get out of the inning. A double play would save them to get out of the second. They actually had a couple of double plays last night. They had three double plays last night. And I'm telling you, when you're leading, letting the leadoff hitter on base, double plays are the only thing that are going to save you. It's what you're praying for. All right, so it's 1-1. We go all the way until the fourth inning, the bottom of the fourth, when they're able to. the Cubs are able to scratch across another run. Not only were the double plays saving us, but defense was hurting us. We, we had some bad plays here. So uh, Wilson Contreras starts the inning by getting hit by a pitch. Schwarber strikes out. Javi, Javi Baez then grounds into a force out. 
Lindor comes up with it, throws to Chang at second. Chang was rushing to get Javi Baez because Javi Baez can run. So he rushed his throw, pulled Santana wide of the back. The ball goes out into right field. Javi Baez does the same thing he did the other night where he just starts running, and he goes from first to third on the throwing error. So, it's again, defense. Man, hit-by-pitch walks in defense really, really have hurt the Indians, especially over the last two games. So this bad throw from Chang lets Baez go all the way to third. Hayward then walks, and Mabin singles, brings in that run, and now it's 2-1 to Chicago. Nico Horner would walk, and the bases would be loaded, but they'd get Ian Happ to ground out to first base to get out of the inning. All right, so we save it. It's 2-1. to one. That could have been a whole, whole lot worse. Savali got himself out of trouble. It, it was kind of impressive how he was able to get himself into so much trouble and then work himself out of it. All right, top of the fifth, Oscar Mercado leads off the inning. What was the count on Oscar Mercado? 1-0. He gets a fastball right down the middle, and Lester's fastball does not have much on it. It was 90 miles per hour, and Mercado hits a big fly to left field for a home run. It was his first home run on the season. They said the wind was blowing in from left, so Oscar Mercado really must have tattooed this ball. His exit velocity on the home run is clocked at 104.1 miles per hour. So, yeah, he tattooed that ball. So, big home run for Mercado ties the game. That would be it for a long time. It would stay 2-2 for a long time. The fifth inning, we get into a little bit of craziness because a drone shows up on the field. Now, uh, I don't want to criticize them for how they handled the drone situation. If it were me, if I were one of those bullpen guys, or maybe the bullpen coach, maybe a bullpen catcher, we could risk a bullpen catcher. Come on. I would have gone and gotten in a big shower towel and just drop the towel over the drone. Once it's there, you can sweep it up like a sack, like a Looney Tunes cartoon, and carry it off the field. Instead, we just sit around while the announcers just crack a couple of jokes. We waste a lot of time. Eventually, Wilson Contreras would ground out to end the inning. The seventh inning is when the Indians' bullpen would be called upon. And I got to give credit where credit's due, because we were hard on the bullpen the, uh, yesterday, we were talking about how their ERA over the last seven games was like over 10. The bullpen came to play yesterday, and even though Phil Maiden is going to take the loss eventually, the bullpen came to play. And uh, Savali would get into more trouble to start the seventh. He would give up a single to Cameron Maiden. He would give up a double to Nico Horner. They'd have runners at second and third, nobody out in a 2-2 game. We'd go to the bullpen, and we'd call on James Karinchek. Now, sometimes we've seen this work with closers, right? When you put them in non-save situations, they, they don't have the focus, right? They crumble. They, uh, they give up a bunch of runs. Well, I feel like that might be a situation we get into with James Karinchek here because they, you cannot be in more of a pressure situation here than what Karinchek walks into in the seventh inning, second and third, nobody out. He does have a base to work with. He gets Ian Happ strikeout, I believe, on a fastball. He then gets Chris Bryant to swing at a curveball that bounced in front of the plate that Austin Hedges made an awesome stop to uh, caught the ball. Didn't just knock it down. Caught the ball on the hop and tagged out Bryant on the strikeout. They then intentionally walk Anthony Rizzo, because why not? And then they get Wilson Contreras to ground out to Lindor to end the threat. So huge pitching from James Karinchek. And the thing I noticed is he's going back to his fastball. Uh, the last 
three, four appearances before uh, the Chicago Cubs series, he had never thrown more than 38% fastballs. He was up in the 60% curveballs, 80% curveballs in some of the in this start against Kansas City. So against the Cubs here, he's making a concerted effort to throw the fastball more. He threw 75% fastballs two nights ago against the Cubs. He threw 53% fast, 53.8% fastballs last night against the Cubs. So definitely making more of a concerted effort to throw the fastball more, and it is definitely getting the results. He the key to the curveball is the mix with the fastball. You gotta be around 50-50. And, uh, yeah, we, it's good to see Karinchek getting back to that pitch that's so effective, especially high in the zone. That fastball has tons of life. He's throwing it just under 96 miles per hour. I remember last season, it felt like he was throwing it. Didn't it feel like he was throwing it a lot harder last season? Yeah, he was throwing it around 97.1 miles per hour last season. This season, he's averaging 95.5 on his fastball. So, that's interesting. That's something to keep an eye on. It's the change in speed. The fastball's at 95. The curveball's at 83. That makes the difference. That's how you get strikeouts. You cannot just keep throwing curveball after curveball after curveball. You got to throw some fastballs in there. So, Karinchek, huge. He gets out of it. Kimbrell comes in, and the Indians do not stand a chance. Cesar Hernandez strikes out swinging. Lindor flies out, and then Delano DeShield strikes out swinging. So Kimbrell dominated us last night. I mean, as good as the Indians' bullpen was last night, the Cubs obviously were better because they walk away with the win. Ali Perez comes in to pitch the eighth. He gets Schwarber to line out. He gets Baez to strike out, and he gets Hayward strike out swinging. So there you go. Oliver Perez bounces back tonight or last night, and he gets a big eighth inning. Jeremy Jeffers, Jeffers, Jeffers comes in to pitch for Kimbrell. He pitches the ninth inning. We have a chance here. Jose Ramirez did single to start the inning, but then Carlos Santana is called out on strikes. Famille Reyes is called out on strikes, and Tyler Naquin grounds out to end our ninth. All right, Cal Quintrill gets the call for the Indians in the bottom of the ninth. I was surprised. This inning probably would have gone to Nick Wickren if he hadn't have, you know, thrown every pitch two nights ago at Cubs hitters. So uh, this ninth inning goes to Cal Quintrill. And, uh, you know, being the away team, you're going to save Brad Hand in case you get the lead. And so Quintrill gets the call here. And he had a decent inning. He gets Kipnis to fly out to right. He gets Vargas to strike out swinging. Oh, called out, strike out looking. And then Ian Happ lines out to Delano to Shields in center to end the inning. So a nice, clean inning from Cal Quintrill. And let's take a look here. Yeah, they uh, the relievers were just pounding the strike zone. Karen check, uh, eight of his 13 were strikes. Oliver Perez, 9 of his 13 pitches are strikes. Quintrill, 9 of his 12 pitches were strikes. Maiden, 10 of his 14 pitches were for strikes. So the relievers definitely came out yesterday and made a point of pounding the strike zone. So we get into the crazy extra innings right now. Runner starts on second base. Remember the new rules in in uh, the coronavirus coronavirus era of, in, of baseball. So you start with a runner on second. And that runner for us would be Tyler Naquin. Tyler Naquin is going to start at second base. Josh Naylor, I think he was swinging away the whole time, but he ends up walking. Okay, so Naylor walks. 
They then pinch hit Mike Freeman for Austin Hedges. And it was clearly a sack bunt situation here. Now, with the first guy up, he's swinging away. But now you have a chance to put two runners in scoring position. And as the away team, you kind of want to give yourself that extra security. So now is the sack bunt situation. For some reason, they think Mike Freeman is a better sack bunter than Austin Hedges. Well, Mike Freeman sucked last night. He bunted it right back to pitcher Jason Adam, who was able to easily turn and throw out Naquin at third base. I think Naquin barely had a lead. If you're laying down a sack bunt, that guy has to be have a huge secondary lead and ready to run as soon as that bat makes contact. Naquin was like hovering around second base. He looked like he was waiting for uh, for Mil Reyes to try to hit a home run or something, not for Mike Freeman to lay down a sack bunt. You got to be on your horse. You got to be ready to go. So uh, he's thrown out at third. Naylor's at second. Freeman's at first with one out. Cesar Hernandez then flies out to center. It was a hard hit ball, but right at Billy Hamilton in center. And then Lindor with a chance, runner in scoring position, strikes out swinging to end the threat. Bottom of the 10th, now we've made it really easy on the Cubs. Ian Happ starts at second base. Chris Bryant singles on, I believe, the first pitch to left field. Happ had to hold up to make sure it made it past Lindor, so he can only go to third. They then intentionally walk Rizzo to load the bases, and then he gets Will- Phil Maiden's pitching, by the way. He gets Wilson Contreras to strike out swinging. He then gets Kyle Schwarber to strike out swinging. Phil Maiden is cooking. He gets Javi Baez down in the count 0-2. He's going to get out of this. And then he throws a breaking pitch down and away, and somehow Javi Baez gets the head of the bat out there and actually lines a pitch that was down and away. He lines, he pulls it and lines it down the left field line to score the run and win the game. So once again, it's Javi Baez and the Cubs celebrating and the Indians eating the loss and now have an eight-game losing streak. So it wasn't a terrible pitching performance. It was it was pretty bad on offense. The Indians were one for nine with runners in scoring position. It wasn't a really great offensive day. Jose Ramirez is the only guy with... with uh, Two hits on the day. I don't think anybody else was even on base twice on the day. Uh, I think I'm going to have to give MVP for the day to the Indians' bullpen because, you know, Maiden threw a good pitch at the end. If you take away that one pitch, it's actually a really impressive pitching performance from the bullpen. So Karinchek, Oliver Perez, Quintrill, and Maiden, I'm giving them collectively MVP for a day here. And it sucks. It This really, really sucks here. I mean, we should be celebrating Indians baseball. We should be, I mean, they got a chance to make the postseason. This new postseason format might stick around after the season, which I think is a little extreme. Uh, it's, it's a little too many teams making the postseason for my taste. But, I mean, we should be celebrating this Indians team, and instead, we're just destroying them on Twitter. We're destroying them in articles. We're destroying them in podcasts. Because eight in a row is just brutal. Let's go. Tribe had an article yesterday about how the Indians need to stop messing around with these half measures and just rebuild. Like just, just do it. Because you're making us, you're turning us into a mediocre baseball team that can compete for the division title, can compete for playoff spots, but. 
do you feel like this Indians team can win the World Series this year? You've seen what's out there. You've seen what the White Sox offense can do, what the Twins offense can do. You hear about what's happening out in L.A., out in California with the Dodgers and the Padres. You've seen the Cubs firsthand. Do you feel like the Indians could win the World Series? I mean, their their pitching would have to be red hot because this offense doesn't feel like it's ever going to be red hot again this season. So, yeah, it's it's been rough. But, I mean, 26 and 23, we're above 500. We're still in the playoffs right now. Coming up next, we face Detroit, and we need to feast on Detroit. I mean, we really, really need to beat up Detroit. We face the White Sox after that, and then Pittsburgh to end the season. So we have one of the easier schedules to end the season with. So, I mean, four against Detroit, three against Pittsburgh. That should be seven wins. That has to be six or seven wins for the Indians to hang on to this thing. The White Sox, we've actually played the White Sox really well. We get the White Sox at home, so... I'm not as worried about the White Sox. If we have to face the White Sox in the first round, it would actually be really, really interesting. So there you go. That's what's coming up. I wanted to take a look today at the difference between Francisco Lindor and Javi Baez. Because if you just watched this series, you would think, man, Javi Baez is leading that Cubs team. That dude is dynamite. Maybe that's the guy I would prefer to have on my team. Now, Francisco Lindor and Javi Baez will always be tied together. They're both from Puerto Rico. The Javi Baez is a year older, uh, but they were taken in the same draft, the 2011 MLB draft in the first round. Francisco Lindor was the eighth pick to the Cleveland Indians, and Javi Baez was the ninth pick to the Cubs. These guys are clearly friends, at least from their body language on the field. I'm assuming they're like really good friends. Uh, they're countrymen. They have this, you know, pick back to back in the draft. They will always be tied together. Which one would you have rather had for all these years? Would you have rather had Francisco Lindor or would you have rather had Javi Baez? I can tell you that Lindor's numbers are much, much better. Javi Baez batted 260 over his seven year career. Javi Baez has batted 266, a 782 OPS. Lindor has batted 287 with an 839 OPS. His OPS plus, remember this is adjusted by ballpark. This is where league average is set to 100. His career OPS plus is at 119. Javi Baez's career OPS plus is at 103. And uh, Lindor has definitely had more seasons over 100. In fact, he's never had an OPS plus below 100 in his entire career. So uh, more home runs for Lindor. He's had 138 home runs. Javi Baez has only had 117. Javi Baez has struck out 757 times. Lindor has only struck out 490 times. Only one season of plus 100 strikeouts where Baez has done it a lot in his career. So I think the numbers play out, even if you look at some of the advanced numbers here, War, uh, collective war for Javi Baez, 17.3 war for his career. Francisco Lindor, 28.7 war, collective war for his career. There was another advanced number I wanted to look at, win probability. The win probability total for Francisco Lindor over his career is 6.4. 
The win probability total over his career for Javi Baez is actually negative 0.6. So, yeah, that's uh, he's, he's added more negative value sometimes to his team than positive value. So I think the numbers play out that Francisco Lindor definitely has been the guy over the last few seasons compared to Javi Baez. Not to take anything away from Javi Baez. He's an incredible baseball player. And he is definitely, he's not having statistically the best season right now, but it feels like his energy, his aggressiveness on the base paths is definitely driving the Chicago Cubs a little bit right now. So I'm sure Cubs fans are really pissed at his batting average, at his OPS this season. Let's see what the updated, because Bleacher Report is always a day behind. So, I'm sorry, baseball reference, not Bleacher Report. I don't mean to besmirch Bleacher Report. Uh, let's see, what does Javi Baez, has his average up to 211, has his average up to 211 after yesterday with a 627 OPS. So the season has not been great for Javi Baez, but he definitely definitely seems to be the energy uh, that drives uh, that team. I'm, I'm guessing that uh, Hayward might be the heart of that team, and Javi Baez is the energy, and Bryant and Rizzo are the talent on the team. So, uh, but they're all they're all kind of struggling offensively. Uh, it's actually very similar to the Indians, but they they can they are winning. That's the difference. The difference between the Cubs and the Indians right now. They're very similar teams, but the Cubs are winning and they're running away with their division. And they're ten games over five hundred. They're on a four game winning streak. So yeah, that is the difference between the Cubs and the Indians. All right, that's all I got for today. We will be back tomorrow. I know the Browns are playing tonight, but if you get a chance. During commercials of the Browns game, and believe me, there will be a lot of commercials. Flip over to STO. Check out a few minutes of the Indians game. Shane Bieber is pitching tonight against Mize for the Tigers. So you don't want to miss Shane Bieber pitching. So I want the Browns to win, too. I'm a Browns fan, too. But if it's starting to look bad, if Joe Burrow starts to run away with it, maybe flip over and watch a little more Shane Bieber. So enjoy the game tonight. Enjoy both games tonight. And we'll be back tomorrow morning to cover Shane Bieber. So that's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. Again, the final from Chicago last night. It's the Cubs 3, the Indians 2. We'll be back tomorrow for some Shane Bieber action. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. You can call into the show if you go to anchor.fm forward slash clevelandbaseballmornings. Let me know your thoughts on the game. We'll discuss them on the show. We'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.